Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of the Theater Podcast. I'm Alan Seals, and this is a podcast with intimate, personal conversations with some of theater's biggest names. This episode in particular is no different. We are talking today with Chad Kimball, who currently is starring as one of the many ensemble cast, the amazing cast from Come From Away, the true, based on the true story of of the people of Gander, uh, Newfoundland, who who took care of thousands of people that were grounded during 9-11. But before that, long before that, he got his start on Broadway in Civil War in 1999, off-Broadway revival of Godspell in 2000. He was in Into the Woods, then Good Vibrations, Lennon, Memphis, for which he actually, he got a a Tony nomination for that, for originating the lead role in Memphis, and then now, of course, Come From Away. He's appeared in, in regional theater all over the place, Paper Mill Playhouse, um, he's been in the blank theater in Los Angeles. He's a native of Seattle, which is new, new for me to interview somebody from Seattle, but just an all around great guy. Interestingly enough, we get into, we get into some of, of his past demons, including, um, he actually injured himself during Memphis and, uh, and got addicted to, to some bad things and, you know, turned to some other bad things to, to kind of deal with it. So we get into all of this during the episode and, uh, but it's incredible. He's an, a very nice guy. So please enjoy this episode here with Chad Kimball. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. He got his Broadway debut in Civil War in 1999, was in the off-Broadway revival of Godspell in 2000. He was in Into the Woods in 2002, Good Vibrations in 05, the Lennon musical also in 05, Memphis, of which he got a Tony nomination for originating that lead role in 2009. And uh, since August, correct, of, of 2016, you've now been in Come From Away. Yeah, do I have that right? Uh, it was in uh, uh, May of May? 2015. Actually, oh, okay. we started in, in La Jolla then. Okay, yeah. well, Chad Kimball, thank you for being here with me today. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. You've done lots of regional theater and and uh, at the Paper Mill Playhouse and Michael John LaCuse's Little Fish at mm-hmm. the, the Blank Theater in Los Angeles. But, mm-hmm. um, of course, as we always do, we'll get to that. But I want to back up to to being a, a, a wee little Chad in Seattle. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, how did you uh, – what was your childhood? How did you end up in Seattle? Uh, well, um, my, my great-grandfather, Lars Lars 
person um, from, you guessed it, Norway, um, <laughs> uh, came from Norway. Uh, and uh, apparently the, the, this Puget Sound um, is reminiscent of the fjords in Norway. So a lot of Norwegian people went there. I don't think that that's the only, and I think there's, there was great fishing. So um, I think, a lot, uh, you know, that's, that's how he kind of got there. And that's how, um, that's, that's where I grew up. I was uh, the kin of, uh, of, a, of a fisherman who called his boat the bull moose. Oh, so he actually moved there to fish. <laughs> yeah, he moved there to fish and wow. to, to set up a homestead. Your family's still there fishing? They are, well, they're not fishing, well, <laughs> um, but they are still there, yeah. Yeah. And, and so what kind of childhood did you have? Was it filled with musical theater? I mean, how did you get from like, I assumed you worked on the fishing boat as a little kid. Yeah. <laughs> no, there was no, he was, I, I yeah. didn't even know him. Um, but oh, really? I mean, I did learn fishing from my, my grandfather, but not in a, in a grand capacity. I mean, we put hot dogs on a, a line and see what we got. It was mainly flounder and rockfish. <laughs> but um, uh, I learned music um, actually in church. Uh, we grew up, I grew up going to, um, a, uh, a church, Christian church in Seattle. And we, you know, through, my dad was the hymn leader. And uh, so music was just kind of a part of our household. We had a piano and my mom would play a little bit and they'd get, you know, rehearsed for Sunday morning. And um, so it was just kind of in, in our bones as kids. Um, and uh, from there, I, I uh, actually I didn't know that I could sing very well until I got to, to high school. And I went to a high school called Roosevelt High School, which is a nationally acclaimed uh, uh, high school for performing arts and drama. And um, it was there that I kind of realized that I could I could sing. And um, and uh, so from there, I and I also took vocal jazz, and actually that had a, a rather large influence on on my vocal ability. Um, uh, we sang, you know, jazz almost every day uh, in vocal jazz, and um, I remember every Wednesday we were, uh, we it was Improv Wednesday, so we'd all, you know, we'd get the, the the tunes underneath us, and we'd one by one just get up on the mic and improvise, you know, like scat. I was going to ask yeah, you if you could scat, like totally scat, and it was so much fun. Um, and so that kind of was a, a real great foundation, especially for. Um, music like um memphis mm -hmm. um and uh so from there it kind of just uh no the interesting is that you know nobody nobody really stopped me i don't remember anybody putting up a roadblock in front of me or saying like maybe you should do this maybe you should do that everybody was just always very encouraging and um uh i i listened back at some of the the tapes yes i said tapes <laughs> the cassette tapes of those times and like ooh. Yeah, well, I was learning. So, but that was the kind of musical background of of uh, my childhood, and of course, from there, I I, I um, applied to two colleges, and uh, I ended up going to the Boston Conservatory, mm -hmm. uh, which people say is the Boston Conservatory of Music. It's actually the Boston Conservatory Music, Dance, and Theater. <laughs> so, I was in the theater portion of that, but it all kind of bleeds together. Oh, where, where was the other school you applied to? NYU. I was yeah. waitlisted. Oh yeah, I bet they're they're sad now. That's nah, fine. My wife uh, went to grad school at NYU, so it makes up for it. It right? out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you have any siblings, or is it just? I do. I have an older yet? brother, Todd, and a younger sister, Jill. Um, both of whom are not in uh, the acting business. Um, no, no. Not, not at all. <laughs> no, no. Were they? Were you the black sheep of the family then, or? or uh, you said you were supportive, so probably not black sheep. But. No. Yeah. Actually, I was really incredibly shy 
until I was, um, well, I mean, I'm, I'm still a little shy. Um, <laughs> it's so weird. You hear actors say that they're shy and you're like, okay, well, you get up and perform in front of, you know, thousands of people a night. But there is this aspect of, um, uh, I think, being shy and um, theater actually being a great um, uh, place for you to compartmentalize your shyness because there's definite boundaries. You know where the audience is. You know what the scene is. So you can kind of interact in those social situations without having to be um, completely, you know, thrown to the wind. But I was really shy. And uh, when I was, I think it was... Uh, nine, my brother had been in theater. He did children's theater, um, summer stage at, at children's theater, Seattle Children's Theater. And um, there was, they were doing this big TV uh, pilot in Seattle um, called, what was it called? Oh my goodness. Uh, Adventures on Sinclair Island. I don't even think you'd be able to find it on IMDb. I've never heard of it. I, well, there, nobody has heard of it. But I, I said to my brother, I said to my mom, I said, I want to go. I want to audition for that. And they all looked at me like I was crazy and that I was going to fail miserably because I was so shy that thought I was going to get up in front of everybody and just not do anything. But I ended up, uh, my brother and I had to improvise a scene. I got the role and, it was, and he didn't. <laughs> and then he quit acting after that. <laughs> do, do you think like that my was? shy kid brother beat me out for a role, so I'm done. The- I'm kidding, Todd. He's, he's going to write he's in fine. angrily. Like, how dare you? <laughs> no, he's, he's fine. He was really happy for me. And then, so from there, I just kind of got the bug, the yeah. acting bug, yeah. and just knew that I wanted to do it. That's, it's funny you mentioned being shy. I've, I've talked to a lot of people over, over my years uh, in this business, and, and so many people are in the exact same boat. They're mm. just like, this is their way of expression, and this is their way of, of finding who they are and exploring mm-hmm. their psyche. And, and, I think it, I mean, correct me if, or I guess agree with me if you do the same thing, but I, I find that a lot of people use their characters to explore parts of themselves that they may not be comfortable going to. Totally, totally. Yeah. And, and I think as a kid, I didn't know any of that. You know, it just kind of, was just kind of doing that. And, um, uh, but that is definitely um, some of the psychology of, of, of being an actor. And, and like I said, I mean, it's kind of a, it's almost being on stage is almost a, more of a, it's almost a safer space to explore, uh, you know, uh, s- social um, environments than, than just a, like a party. Because mm-hmm. you're kind of just, you know, it's all random and you don't know what's going to happen. But in a, when you're on stage in a play, you kind of have these boundaries and you know exactly what's going to happen and you know what, how it's going to end. And so it feels a lot better. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm still, you know, a little shy, but I'm better. <laughs> Do you think it's helped you? Like you're being on stage and being in front of thousands of people at night, has that helped you in the party situation? I think, the party scene? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't really partake much in the party scene anymore. But um, I think, uh, well, I mean, I think alcohol always played a big <laughs> role in helping. Like, you know, I mean, alcohol helps people, you know, kind of loosen their inhibitions and, the, you know. I actually don't drink alcohol anymore, so I'm not too good in social situations. I kind of sit on a on a chair and talk to the people around me, and um, but but I do think that that um, I do think that acting in theater uh, definitely gives um, a, an actor the ability to explore those maybe hidden parts of themselves that they wouldn't. Uh, really explore 
um, on the outside. Um, there are more gregarious people who might be able to access those places a little mm -hmm. easier. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite a favorite character, a favorite role that you've gotten to dive into? Uh, I think that I think that um, Huey Calhoun in Memphis um, was probably my my favorite creation as of yet. I, and I think the the reason is is I still it's still kind of it's still somewhat a mystery to me how he came to be because um, I did very little research on the actual guy that he was named De Dewey Phillips mm -hmm. and um, he was on the radio in uh, in Memphis um, in the 50s and you know the story uh, follows him loosely but I, I did very little research into his life I listened to a couple of recordings of him and I had a couple of um, uh, a couple of uh, uh, kind of defining characteristics that were kind of imparted to me by the creators, and it just kind of it just kind of fell out. I, it just kind of fell out uh, in rehearsal. It just I remember uh, we, we did the first production at North Shore Music Theater in two thousand and three, and I remember saying to my mom the night before rehearsal started, I said, "I have no idea what I'm going to do. I have I I'm I'm on every page." I don't even know who this guy is. And he just kind of just kind of fell out. And what fell out was um, this kind of um, really asymmetrical, uh, lanky, but not kind of like uh, swaying physically this character who explored weird modulations in his voice and uh, I, I know a lot of people, some people say, you know, you, you, you hate him, but you love him <laughs> at the same time. Um, and, uh, but, uh, man, he was, he, he, I would say that like I played him as much as he played me. Like it was a, it was a really fun role to play. And, um, you know, the material obviously was, was, mm -hmm. was a big part of that, but, uh, um, yeah, that's probably my favorite role. That sounds 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 uh, uh I guess pretty accurate. I, I was thinking though while you were describing, you know, your conversation with your mom, you're going into rehearsal. You're you're cast for this role, which I want to get back to the casting in a second. But you're cast for this role. You know, you're starting rehearsals, and you said a second ago that that part of what's great about being on stage is that as a shy person, you've got the scene, you've got the lines, you know how right. beginning begins, mm -hmm. in the end. So when you're going into your first day of rehearsal without knowing what your character is, right. does that give you any sort of anxiety? Do you remember that moment of like showing up to the in front of the whole cast and saying like, okay. Well, I think uh, in the audition process, I think there, I did make a couple of choices that I hid behind, if that makes mm -hmm. any sense. Um, the the voice and the, the accent were something that I kind of immediately had um, and was they, they, those were easy. Um, uh, they just came to me. Obviously, they they changed over time, but that's something that I think I hid behind uh, early on. And also, the the writing allowed me to kind of just um, follow along mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, so I think that I was. Um, I think the 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 bigger picture, the 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 grander uh, scheme of of actually doing the show and 
and figuring out how the parts fit together. I think that was more confusing for me. Um, I don't think I was necessarily nervous about um, uh, getting, you know, in front of the cast or the creatives. I was excited to just start working, to start working on it. And because I knew that people were kind of like, wait, what? You're using that voice? That's weird. Or you're, you know, and, and I, so I remember kind of liking that kind of attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was, that was 2009. Right. Um, but yeah, so let, I guess we'll, we'll finish my earlier, earlier thought and go back to the audition process. So it, it was, you know, you had the Lennon musical in 05 and then mm-hmm. Memphis was 09. Mm-hmm. How were you involved with workshops and and readings and things leading up to the opening in 09? Or was there, did you not work for those four years? Well, there was, uh, we, we did the original production in 2003 at North Shore Music Theater. And then, um, and then from there it went to um, Theater Works in Palo Alto. Mm-hmm. And that's where Randy Adams, who is now a produ- one of our producers in Come From Away, he was also a producer um, on Memphis. He and Sue Frost and uh, Kenny and Marlene Al- Al-Hadif. Um, he worked at TheaterWorks. And so he left TheaterWorks after Memphis because he knew that this was something that he wanted to help shepherd to Broadway. After that production, there was about a three-year break. And I think that was in... 2004 to 2007 mm-hmm. that um, Memphis took a hiatus and there were some rights issues involved. But um, uh, so in that time I did Good Vibrations and Lennon and then I went out to LA and I did Little Fish out there among, you know, other assorted things. Uh, and then, th- so there was no, there was one other workshop we did at New World Stages, mm-hmm. actually, of Memphis. And I think in that one, I think in that, I want to say that in that version, like, Huey died and we saw his ghost or something. It was very strange. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a very difficult play to end because it, the actual ending of Dewey Phillips' Slice was not so nice. You know, he he, he was uh, heavy into drinking and, he, you know, there were some, some, it was just a uh, not a fun or nice story. And, not that you have to wrap up a musical in a nice and fun way, but um, they didn't want it to go uh, quite that far yeah. in that way. So, um, so there was a anyway. We did have a workshop there, and then and then La Jolla Playhouse and Chris Ashley took over, and uh, we had the the um, uh, pre Broadway tryout. I think it was in t- I think it was in two thousand seven. Yes, and then we went to Seattle, and then we came to Broadway in two thousand nine. Wow. Mm-hmm. And in, in 07, I guess in Seattle, did you know it was coming to Broadway? Broadway? I mean, in terms of, of how shows do their out-of-town tryouts, how many of them kind of just fall flat there? And how many continue on? Do you know? Uh, I, I don't. I mean, bit, I, I will say that um, the, the cities have changed. It's kind of, you know, it used to be Boston. You know, Boston was a place where you take a, a show out of town. Now it's, there's this, a lot of shows come through Seattle, which is cool. I mean, I grew up there. But I'm um, like, hey, go Seattle. Um, uh, but, um, the, the special part about Memphis is that they gave it, they gave it a lot of time to, to, you know, marinate Mm -hmm. and and they gave it time to, to get it right. And, um, just uh, like come from away as well. Um, they did several productions before Broadway, but, um, yeah, I think that it's difficult. I mean, you, if you see, see the lineup of, of shows that want to come into Broadway right now, it's, it's a long list Yeah, and there aren't. There's that many theaters. But the fact that we got the Schubert Theater, like the crown jewel of the Schubert organization, I remember when that 
I think that that happened in, um, in we found out in Seattle that we knew it was going to be a Schubert house, but uh, we found out in Seattle that it was going to be the actual Schubert theater. And so um, I think we knew at, between La Jolla and Seattle that we were definitely going to Broadway. <clears throat> we weren't necessarily, necessarily sure when, um, but then it, it became more clear as we, as we got into Seattle. Well, that's fun. I the whole journey. Everybody's got a different story. The journey of getting like into the the writing room and or yeah. the writers' workshop, and then getting you know like it it amazes me how everybody's story is different. Yeah. But it all culminates, of course, with this great this great experience. Collaboration. On Broadway. How does it all yeah. happen? <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. And I, and I mean, talking to producers and the creatives and stuff. There's just so much that goes on. On both sides, like in front of and behind yeah. the curtain, right? Yeah. So I'm curious uh, about all that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's 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 interesting to me. I I've I like the the producing side of it. Yeah. Uh, that I've always been one of those guys. It's like uh, how I want to know behind the curtain. I want to lift up the hood and see how it all works. So, yes. Yeah. Um, which was sort of the impetus for starting this podcast too, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I want to know. I want to know everyone's story. I yeah. want to know everyone's. Yeah. everyone's journey and, it, and it's so disparate and different like yeah. it's so in this business it's just you know there's so many little things that can go wrong and do go wrong and you know you know kind of sidetrack like a, a steer a production off the path um so yeah yeah well anyway enough about me um <laughs> into the woods you played milky white the cow mm -hmm. yeah um, got really great reviews, and Milky White was normally a statue. Right. So, well, a cardboard, uh, yeah. well, sorry, a wooden cutout yes. in the original production. Um, and uh, James Pine and uh, Susan Hilferty, the costume designer, uh, had this vision for, for Milky White to be a, a puppet. And um, <laughs> I was originally cast as, as a standby for Jack and Rapunzel's Prince, so mm -hmm. I wasn't on stage at all. Um, and uh, Kate Reinders, um, uh, an accomplished act Broadway veteran, uh, she was in the show and she was cast as Milky White. And her other duties were standing by for, uh, you know, Cinderella and uh, some other some other things. But she was cast as Milky White. And um, I remember the day she came up to me and said, can you, can you come and, uh, you know, be my moral support? going to talk to James Lapine about, and she had been talking to me for a while about how it was really hurt, hurting and it, she was having a really hard time doing it because it's on hand crutches. Yeah. And it's like it, it kind of a, I'm not saying she couldn't do it, but she, she was having a hard time doing it. And, um, I, she just kind of wanted out. And so, um, we went to James Lapine and we were at the Amundsen theater in LA at the out of town tryout, uh, in the hallway. And, um, you know, she, kind of broke down a little bit, so said I couldn't Aww. do it. And he kind of just you know, sat back and like shot his eyes at me and said, can you do it? And I said, <laughs> uh, sure. And that was that. So um, the costume was a little tight for me in at the Amundsen, but um, they made a whole new costume. And I got these like cool bionic legs yeah. when we got to Broadway. I mean, on, on the road in, in LA, it was, you know, these hand crutches, very simple hand crutches. And then on Broadway, they made these, um, I mean, you looked at it. I looked like a super hooved, uh, you know, super man, super cow. It was, um, it, it was like hydraulic and it was um, spring loaded. Yeah. So, I mean, I could bound or I could run really fast across that stage. It was so much fun. Um, and 
Milky White's ears could, I could wiggle his ears and I could make him chew and I could blink his eyes, which is the best because the eyes were just the cutest things. So you blink the eyes and people would just, you know, oh, you know, laugh immediately. So I was like, I have power. <laughs> um, the puppy dog How'd you control that? Well, was it connected to your face? No, your it's actually, um, I had to take my hand out of the, out of the hoof and it took a lot of like kind of costume magic and choreography to do it because we had to put silk in there actually to, so that my, and I wore silk armbands so that when I did take my arm out, it would just slide past the the fabric and wouldn't catch. Yeah. Otherwise you'd, you'd see it in the audience. So I, t- I, I, you know, kind of, you know, uh, slyly take my hand out of the crutch and we had to weight it so it would stand mm-hmm. on its own. And then I would take my hand and put it into the mask and, and work the ears and the eyes and the, and the mouth. It was so much fun. And, um, I think my, my favorite part was, um, <laughs> was, uh, um, the part where he's, you know, saying goodbye. He sold him. Jack has sold him. And he's, I guess it's goodbye, old pal. You've been a perfect friend. And I walk over and I put my hoof on his knee. <laughs> he says, I'll see you soon again. I hope that when I do, it won't be on a plate. And then I do a huge takeout to the audience with my eyes wide open and they just went crazy. And then he runs off and then I run after him and then collapse downstage left and crawl, 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 and then collapse. <laughs> and the audience just went crazy. It was so much fun. It was a lot of fun. And we had to be really careful. Um, to not upstage everybody else. There was a moment, and I will be just completely honest about this. In previews, Carrie O'Malley, um, uh, the baker of the baker's wife, Stephen DeRosa, Carrie O'Malley, were downstage sing- singing It Takes Two. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I, mean, I was like 25 at the time. <laughs> um, they're downstage singing It Takes Two. It has nothing to do with the cow. But I saw an opportunity and I was like, I was sleeping upstairs or standing upstage. And I was like, I have nothing to do here. What am I doing? So during a preview, and I hope they don't, we've talked about it, but I hope they don't harbor any resentment. I walked (laughs) down to them and during each verse, I would look up at her and then I would look up at him and then like shake my ears. And um, I mean, understandably, they were not too pleased with me <laughs> and I got a, I got a bit of a, a bit of a talking to, um, by James. He just, he said, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. I said, well, I was just exploring the, ah, ah, ah. so, um, so we had to be careful because I, the, the, the power of the cow, the pow cow was, was intense. People really liked it and it was really cute. So People love animals. I know it. It's weird. And it won, uh, it won the Tony for Best Revival right. that mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And that was your first time being around Tony Buzz. What was that like? Uh, it was so, so much fun. I mean, I mean, we were, you know, on our, on our bus to, to Radio City Music Hall, the whole, the whole cast with, with Vanessa and, um, and, uh, you know, just, it was just, it was just so much fun. We, we had a really great time doing that, that show and. Um, not just because of, you know, obviously the camaraderie of the cast, but the magic of that story and, um, you know, Stephen and, and James and, uh, 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 Jim and Yanni being, and all of, all of the, the, the original creators involved, um, was just, um, thrilling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Back up, I guess, to yeah, 19, 1999 when you graduated from Boston Conservatory. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then you joined Civil War. That was your Broadway debut. The funny thing is, it's not even in my playbill. <laughs> it's not even in my like there's an internet Broadway database. Yeah, it doesn't list it there. I was there for three weeks. I got cast as a um, I got cast as a uh, an ensemble swing, mm -hmm. and I I mean I loved the music. The music was great. It was but it was seven days before I graduated. I got offered the Civil War, and it just doesn't happen. I mean it. I mean it happened to me, but. But it just, it really speaks to just being in the right place at the right time and being prepared. And I had the perfect song for the perfect, you know, role and, um, or roles and was young and ready to do it. And, um, and so I got it and I, I remember just falling in love with that music. Um, and so I was there for, I think, I think it was like three weeks and the, uh, we, no, it must've been longer than that. Uh, maybe maybe a month, maybe a month and, and a week. But I got, um, I, yeah, I got three weeks in my notes. Is it three weeks? Yeah. Uh, okay, we'll say three weeks. But um, <laughs> I did start rehearsing, so that's good. Um, but then we we did we were nominated for the Tony against Fosse, I think it was that year, At, and Fosse won, and we lost. And then the next day, obviously Jerry Zachs came on stage and and um, lowered the boom. And I thought I, I I didn't know. I was so green. I was like, oh, the director's here. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> and everybody's like, shut up. <laughs> um, obviously it was um we're we're closing. So um I was there for for a little bit. It was a lot of fun. I met some people who are friends to this day. And um uh and it was, you know, I think in a lot of ways, getting the Broadway credit out of the way freed me up a little bit. Cause I think a, a lot of people, and I do it in other ways with other, you know, kind of goals. But to have attained that one, you know, uh, the 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 mythical Broadway, you know, credit, um, uh, kind of I think freed me up to just uh, be a little more cavalier and uh, choosy. I guess is a word I'd use. But um, I think a lot of people just ha you know harbor that I got to get on Broadway, got to get on Broadway, got to get on Broadway. And it becomes a bit of an obsession. I mean, we all do it with with other things, but um, I'm grateful that I was able to just get that out of the way. <laughs> Although I never went on stage, I never really? performed. I did. They let me sing in the pit. Oh, the last show. So I did perform, technically, on under Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you what what do you look for? When you're being choosy, what do you look for in a role? What what really speaks to you? Well, part of it is that I <laughs> I say this as a kind of a joke, but it's kind of true. Um, the I like to do new roles, uh, and one of the I think one of the reasons is I I don't want to stand up to scrutiny <laughs> um, with the other person who who created it before me if I'm doing something that's already been done. Uh, but the the larger um, passion for it is just to be able to do what I what I wanted to do in the beginning was to just create something that's not been seen or, or done before and so um it is it is exciting to be able to 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 do that and uh, I I look for um I usually I, I try and look for something that's that's um redemptive something that um you find redeeming in that person or that character towards the towards the end or in the story. Uh, um, uh, I think that that's a, kind of an, an important um, uh, 
something I like to hold up as uh, a story of stories of redemption and stories of comebacks and uh, uh, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's I guess that's that's noble. Uh, I always wonder what really speaks to people, so it's it's interesting to take to hear everyone's different take on on all of that. But yeah. speaking of originating roles, uh, I want to go back to to Huey. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Memphis for a little bit, uh, definitely a big personality. Um, and then you got the Tony nomination mm-hmm. for this. So uh, we'll get two parter, two questions. One, uh, we'll talk about the Tonys uh, <laughs> after this, but um, how much of what uh, we see uh, we we see on stage, and it's actually available on YouTube now, the full production, right? Um, how much was? I, I think it's uh, I think it's Amazon. Is it? I, yeah, it was on Netflix. Now it's on Amazon. I think you can probably see it there on YouTube. I'm not sure actually. Well, I'll find it. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, for okay. this I think episode. it's Amazon because I, I, it shows up on my Amazon Prime. Oh, so so for this uh, for this character, how much of what was written on the page uh, was you, and how much was uh, I guess came from uh, spoke to you versus what you brought to the character. Um, I think one of the, I don't, one of the cool parts about Huey and, and, and I don't, I don't know how I can really take credit for it other than, like I said before, it kind of just spilled out of me, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, one of the cool things about him is, is how, is that he, um, he was, uh, so much more than what was on the page, but exactly what was on the page. I don't really know how to. Um, articulate that other than um, uh, I I was able to fill in some some of the gaps that were written to be filled in does that make any sense mm-hmm. um, so uh, it was all there um, it just I guess needed you know a, a vessel for him to spill out and that that was me but I I we did the the great part about um, working with Joe and David, Jody Pietro and David Bryan, who wrote it, and Chris Ashley, who directed, because um, he's very much involved in 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 trying to shape the story um, in those early days. Is that it, we all were able to, you know, talk about it, and I was able to, you know, say, well, I think that he probably would have said this, or or it might be more interesting if we see him, you know, go this route or if, or if, you know, they have a, a back and forth here. So there was some of it that was in in flux and, and, uh, but we were all able to collaborate really nicely. And, um, if there was a a word or a, 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 a lilt to a line that didn't feel, um, like Huey, Joe was, very interested in collaborating and finding out uh, a way to uh, uh, make it come off the page vocally um, in a more uh, Huey-like uh, way. It was, it was. I mean, it was. It was theater magic, really. It was just. It was just a collaborative dream, and to be able to, you know, give input and have that input heard, and then possibly see the the fruit of the input um so you you were definitely night. involved with with shaping the character i guess yeah, in, yeah. in originating mm-hmm. it yeah yes. and then for the tony the tony nomination how did how did your career change after that oh man um i mean it's just a huge honor <laughs> it's a huge huge honor and um uh to be you know honored by your peers in that way and um you know 
I don't really know how to speak to it. I mean, my career changed only in as much as um, uh, it's it's like my laurels are more comfortable to sit on. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Like, I mean, I mean, I will say that, um, you know, it's just a. like I said, it's it's an it was an incredible honor. There there was some there were some humbling factors involved, which which I really appreciate because I, I I I I hesitate to to say that that you know it's you know kind of been a touchstone for a larger uh, capacity for for creation and all that stuff, creative energy in my life. But there were some because I, I, I really feel like humility and and being humble is 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 a better way. <laughs> to go um actually on the the tony broadcast one of those humbling moments was um uh when you're when you're at an award show and it's televised they have um which i'm sure you know they have seat fillers Mm -hmm. and so they're all dressed to the nines and um so the 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 cameras will when they pan across and whoever has left the audience to go and perform or do whatever they do backstage um there's someone in their seat and so I had just come back from, from uh, I think, perf- either performing or I, I forget what it, I was coming back to my seat and I was in the seat and one of the, you know, they've got, they've got, you know, these producers with clipboards and, you know, the little curly wire that goes in the ear. And she rushes over to me and she said, hey, um, so I need you to, uh, I need you to vacate and, um, in, at the next commercial break. And I said, okay, well, I don't know why am I, what do you, I, I already did the thing. She goes, what do you mean? I said, I already performed. And she's like, oh, so sorry. But you know, it was just like, the, you're like <laughs> okay, She, she thought right. you were the seat filler. Yeah, and that's great. That's great. I, I'm I'm good with that. It's a, just a little way for me to, to, to remember where I'm from. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, Producers don't know everybody. Yeah, that's right. Everybody that's right. is nominated. Exactly. exactly. That's well, funny. there is a sense of at that point, you're like, well, I, you know, you, you feel like maybe you are nobody. And so to be kicked down a little bit, it's, it's good. It's, he- <laughs> it's healthy. It's healthy for everyone. Well, that that's, speaks highly of you, I guess, to take that as a humbling moment <laughs> was, instead of being like, I'll have your was, job. It was fine. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so then fast forwarding a little bit, uh, July 2011, you said you'd be taking, you left Memphis for an indefinite leave of absence mm-hmm. due to nerve damage, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What's that story? Oh man, that story still still continues to this day. Um, I, I, I there was an, I had an, an injury, a pretty bad injury um, during the show. Um, and uh, I didn't, um, it, it, I, I was so wrapped up in that character and so needing to, to be him and felt responsible for, for him and somewhat for the show a little bit um, that I kind of uh, tried to ignore the pain. And, you know, with, with physical pain comes emotional pain, comes... Um, you know, all of that stuff. And uh, it was, uh, it, it started to become a very uh, dark time. And I got to the point where I just, I, I was performing six shows a week, um, if that sometimes, um, because I, my whole right side was uh, in the back was, was pretty much atrophied and I couldn't breathe as well as I could. And because of that, I had a couple of panic attacks on stage, which are not fun especially when you've got to do it in a, like a two hour, two hour, sh- two and a half hour show. 
So um, things just kept, you know, kind of piling on. And I tried to really smile through a lot of the pain. And, you know, I think also in those situations, you get misunderstood by people. Um, and uh, and it's an isolated, it, you feel a bit isolated in that, um, um, you know, I was trying to go through, I was trying to just muscle my way through mm -hmm. without really reaching out for any help. And it, I, I, Around let's see, around uh, August. No, no. Um, sorry. Ju yeah, in July of uh, 2011, um, you know, we just had a meeting and said, "I, I just I need to go and get better." Mm -hmm. And it was really hard. And I, you know, I I said I'd like to stay through the the second year anniversary, which, you know, um, they were totally great with that. And um, and then I left. And so, and I kind of just like laid low and, uh, kind of, you know, just marinated in a, a bit of, um, post, uh, mountaintop misery. <laughs> Can you say that? Yeah, sure. Um, and, uh, so it took me a few years to kind of get back on track. Really? Uh, yeah. It was, it was, it was hard. Um, nobody, nobody kind of prepares you for, um, being in front of so many people and being so exposed and uh, being um, uh, kind of, um, you know, it's it's kind of a, a being as a, as a shy person growing up and kind of a more of an introvert than an extrovert um, and a bit of a homebody being thrown into that that uh, environment and not really thinking about the ramifications um, is uh, is hard. And then on top of that, being injured and then you know feeling emotional pain from from all that and anxiety, it was a it was a recipe for disaster. Um, so I did I, I hit a bit of a rock bottom and then I came I came back up and uh, things have have uh, have have been looking up recently. <laughs> Are you prone to to anxiety in general? Is that? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. I think that. Um, uh, no, I don't think so. I, I think that there. You know, everybody's got their their. Everybody's got their. You know, their personal afflictions, really, mm -hmm. and um, uh, everybody goes through it in a different way. And uh, mine ended up actually in 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 addiction. Um, I was ad addicted to Adderall, which I was prescribed for um, attention deficit disorder. But when you're in a, a cycle of um, kind of anxiety and um, uh, you're injured um, uh, and the toleration for the, the medicine is, is, is rising, it was kind of a perfect storm. And so I ended up, um, you know, kind of isolating myself quite a bit and being addicted to Adderall and finally reached out to my family whom I was convinced would, I mean, they're the most loving people ever, but my mind was like, oh, you've disappointed them. And they were great. They said, we're going to get you help. We're going to bring you home. My sister said, I'm so excited. And I said, what? Because <laughs> I called home and I said, I, I've got a substance of pro problem. And she said, well, we finally know what's wrong with you. <laughs> and there was something that we just couldn't, you know, I did yeah. a really good job of hiding it. And they so knew something was They off. knew something. Yeah. And I'm, of course, across the country, you know, and they were like, what's wrong with them? So, so finally I got some help. And, um, and I think, 
the the cool part about it is that um, there's as an as an actor, I feel like my my motivation for acting has changed a little bit in that I I now understand some of the more um, psychological reasons why people get into acting and um, and now I feel like I can focus more on um, uh, the work if that makes any any sense because mm-hmm. I've got kind of a a, a a larger foundation for um, who I am and what I've been through and what I can pick from uh, here and there yeah it's it, it's a, it's it's a it was it was a hard time but uh, I'm I'm so glad I went through it yeah. Did they, so did they did did you go through like a rehab back in Seattle? I did. Is that, yeah. 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 In, in Eastern Washington, twenty one days in Sundown M Ranch. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because you're laid bare, and I mean, I I when I got out of rehab, I I was so um, I had isolated myself so much, and I had I had um, I want to say deceived. Um, my friends and family so much into thinking that I was okay, which obviously I wasn't, um, that the truth and transparency and being able to lay everything on the table to, to, uh, complete strangers, by the way, when you're in like group therapy was, it was just the best feeling ever. And so, um, so I, I immediately, uh, posted on Facebook when I got out, I was like, this is what's happened. And this is, you know, this is what I'm going through. And I, I, you know, um, I just wanted to be open and transparent about it. It's probably one of the better things that I've ever done. Um, uh, and not that, you know, I think that everybody's paying attention to me, but for people who were thinking that I, something was wrong or that, uh, it was, it was a, uh, you know, kind of a, Oh, okay. I understand now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were relationships that I, that I had to repair and still have to repair, but um, that gets you into um, being able to um, repair relationships and make amends with people. Acting is about human relationships, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's about how wh- how we react and act in in and um, in our human relationships, and so I think that has even been kind of a a, a boon and a blessing to my to my craft, if you like, in that um, I'm, I'm more, way more keen on how people work and, you know, uh, emotional language, an emotional language that I didn't understand before. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm glad for it. Do you see any of these patterns, uh, I guess, of, of maybe being addicted to the high of performing in, in like any of the younger ensemble or younger leads that, that you're performing with now? And you, have you? Ever, I guess if like if you ever seen the need to be like, hey, you got to slow down here because I've been there. You're gonna, yeah. you're gonna hurt yourself. Yeah, but I also remember. Um, I, I I know a couple of a couple of people when I was kind of on that tear. Said, and looking back, I didn't I didn't remember didn't think much of it at the time. But like, hey, are you okay? Is everything okay? And I didn't pay much attention to it. But now I get it. Now I know. Um, and of course you see people who are, who are, are, are on a, on a, you know, they're being shot out of a cannon, a much larger cannon than I was shot out of. I don't know how some of these kids in Hollywood do it. I mean, the, the, and, and, you know, 
we sit back and we think, oh, well, they've got everything. But they're a human being, you know? Yeah. And they're going through, they must be going through the ringer. I mean, so many people are trying to control them and trying to, on a much grander scale scale than I ever was. Um, but, um, yeah, I think, you know, I think it was, what was it? Um, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's uh, book, um, The Turning, or is it? Tipping point. The tipping point. Mm -hmm. I think he talks about how, as human beings, we're supposed to like know we're like 150 people max. <laughs> like that's our community. Yeah. But on Facebook, we know thousands. <laughs> like we're expected to know so many people. And we're expected to be in front of thousands of people, and it's just we're not we're not created that way. We're not we're not made that way. Yeah, and I remember when I heard this. It, it's like we're psychologically we can only have like seven close friends yeah. or something it's like yeah. you can count on both hands right. the close friends you really can pay attention to right right so yeah. the modern era is a little a little tough on our on our on our cave members well we fought chemically we <laughs> fall in love with our with our electronics because all well, the yeah. all the likes all the you know the, the comments, notifications the notifications that's all serotonin release all the dopamine just dopamine like, serotonin yeah. so chemically all these likes you get from your posts are are the same as when you look at someone you love. Yeah, it's really scary. It's weird, but yeah. anyway, that's a whole that's a whole different podcast. Um, gosh, we're, we've been talking. I want to talk on, talk about come from away for a little bit. Yeah. obviously that's what you're doing now. Um, for those who don't know, it's based on a true story of. Um, uh, on 9-11, there was a bunch of commercial planes, uh, 30 38. 38 planes mm -hmm. that were grounded in Gander, Newfoundland. Mm -hmm. um, I love this show. I, I absolutely love it. I had some friends that went to see it the other night. Oh, who, nice. Who, who loved it. Good, good. Um, it's a perfect one to send to your friends. It is. It is. I When I first heard, oh, a 9-11 musical, right. what? Yeah. Um, I, I Again, I was I was skeptical. I got to sure. admit. And then it's one, it's one of my all-time favorite shows. Oh, that's awesome. And it just it just works, and mm -hmm. it's like what ninety minutes, no intermission, right? right. It just goes, goes, it just, goes. As soon as it starts, it just keeps mm -hmm. going. Um, so, how did you get involved with with that? It seems like you've had background with the with Chris with the director, the director. And, the, yeah. and the producers, right? Yeah, yeah I but they they um, called me in like any other audition and uh, asked if I was interested in this in this piece, and I read it and I cried and I thought, how's this going to work? This, it's, this is insane. It, it, it's a 9-11 musical. <laughs> um, but I knew that there was a, a it, I knew there was a level of, of, um, of, um, emotional immediacy and urgency there that, that couldn't be ignored. And so I was obviously interested in going in. I went in for a completely different role. I went in for the, the Oz constable role, which mm -hmm. Gino Carr plays. And they called me back for Kevin, um, uh, at the time was Colin. Um, they changed it to the original names in Seattle. Uh, but, um, yeah. And I went in and I auditioned just like everybody else and, um, got called back and, uh, was cast for the La Jolla production. And, and from there it was just kind of magic. It was one of those, you know, theater magic moments where the right people come together at the right time. And, um, it uh, feels like it was meant, meant to be. Is every character in the show based on someone real? Yes. Um, every single character is based on... There are a lot of little characters we play um, uh, that are were actually uh, characters in bigger scenes that they had to cut. Um, so, But everybody is based on, on somebody that, that actually existed and, and did what the characters do. 
doing construction in the other room, apparently. Yeah. Um, so sorry, sorry about the construction noise. It's <laughs> all right. Um, uh, yeah. So everybody, everybody's based on real characters. Did you get to meet the characters that you play? Oh, yeah. They're yeah. the real, the real mm -hmm. people that you yes. play. We know them very well. I mean, um, we uh, on, on when we opened on Broadway, um, most of them. Uh, were there to bow with us, so we had our our, oh, our really? counterparts there bowing with us, which was crazy. And you, you know, it's like you don't really in, in theater, you don't know the people you play, and if you do, it's you know, I mean, it's maybe not as happy a story, you know. And um, so, but but uh, the fact that we know all these people and we're actually friends with them, and um, they were doing the show in Seattle, and. Uh, just recently the tour opened in Seattle and I would get a text from my mom. She's like, I'm having dinner with Beulah, who's one of the main characters in the show. And I was like, what are you, I don't understand. <laughs> and it turns out that the guy who works at the grocery store that we've gone to all of our lives, his best friend was ground, was ground one of the plain people in Gander and got and stayed at Beulah's house. So Beulah came to Seattle for the opening night and then ended up having dinner with my mom. Oh, that's I mean, so fun. It's, just, it's just this crazy, you know, you just never expect to have relationships with the people you play quite as um vociferously as we do so did they still come uh and see the show at oh all? Yeah. yeah i mean beverly bass has seen the show i think a hundred and i think she's up to 120 uh, yeah i saw somebody yeah, somebody posted like on instagram like the other day yeah i think wow. she's the most and then um uh there are a couple other kevin that i the one that I play, he's only seen the show like 30 times. He likes to brag. He's like, I've only seen it 30 times. Um, but uh, yeah, so we, we, they, they come a lot. And, you know, of course, we're just there with open arms. My goodness. Jesus. <laughs> that construction. I don't know if we can edit out Hallway that. theater. Yeah, hallway no, theater. No, we'll just go with it. All right. Well, there we go. It's, this is live theater. The, the <laughs> podcast interview must go on. Um, <laughs> so, uh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> totally lost my train of thought. Um, do you, okay, well, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what do you hope to do next? You've been in Come From Away for a couple of years here. So is do you do you foresee yourself sticking around for a while or what do you hope you get into next? Um, construction. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I'm having such a great time and the, the audiences are so new. And when I say new, I mean that, that, they're just, they're so eager for the show. Um, and even if you've seen it before, even if you've seen the show, it, it moves so quickly and is so emotionally um, charged that that seeing, seeing it again is almost like seeing it for the first time, mm -hmm. I feel like. And, um, you know, there's this kind of thing in theater where like, oh, yeah, the audience is the other cast member. And yeah, 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 that's true. But in this instance, in this show, I've never experienced an audience so involved in each moment of the show and it's 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 um their the level of curiosity and the level of 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 uh openness th that the audience shows emotionally is stunning and i think mainly it's because you know once we say in the show you know the some of the characters in the beginning say where they were on that day and i remember growing up hearing where were you when JFK was shot? And mm -hmm. that just immediately brings people into an emotional place. It connects everybody. It does. And it, and so I think that that moment kind of just, you, 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 and then you don't get a chance to inspect your emotional uh, 
where you are emotionally. You don't you, you don't get a chance to to try and tamp down any type of emotion because you're just going to the next scene, and that's one of the brilliant um, uh, pieces of direction by by Chris is just keeping it going and not really allowing you to. Um, to respond to your own to your own uh, emotionality, and and then you get the pure theatrical experience that you paid for, you know, which right. is to it's just fresh. yeah 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 it's fresh every night, and I've seen it a couple times, and it's always it's always a different show. Yeah, it's the same script, right. but it's a different show every night. Yeah. yeah. Um, real quick, I want to touch on your personal life. You got married last year. I did. Thank well, you. Well, congratulations. Yeah, last year, thank you. It's been yeah. five months. Five months ago. I, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So. Mm -hmm. So very recent. Very so Emily recent. Swallow, fe mm -hmm. fellow stage and TV actor. Do you yes. find it? Uh, do you find it easier or harder to have married a non-civilian, <laughs> yeah, a fellow actor? Uh, I think it's. I think it's. I think it's much easier. I think because we both, you know, we we speak the same emotional language and we speak kind of the same professional language, and mm. I think that that's a boon to our relationship. And um, she's also. Uh, I mean, I've learned so much from her. Um, as far as how to prepare, and um, and I think she's learned a, a, a bit from me. I would say maybe I hope she has. Honey, <laughs> and um, but it's it's uh, yeah, she's she's we work really well together too. So um, we've never done anything professionally together, but uh, we um, you know in in preparation for projects and things, we work really really well together. So it's I think it's a real a blessing that we've we found each other. Put together a cabaret act yeah, or something. Right? Yeah. Something. She put together like a, a couple's cabaret series. Like <laughs> like reach out to Andy and Andy Carl and Orfe. Oh my and, gosh, that's a really good idea. Yeah. So like the four of you can go out and just do like this you call it couples therapy. Couples therapy. There you go. A little web series. Yeah. Married Broadway couples. Yeah. <laughs> I'd I'd watch that. I'd pay to see that. Anyway, that's uh, that, that's free for you. You it's can take a good that. idea. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll wrap up here because we've been chatting for a good amount of time here. Um, we have three closing questions that uh, I always ask people okay. on the podcast. So very, Nervous. the first one, very simply, what motivates you? Um, hope. I think I've 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 got hope that um, that that um. They're fun and uh, exciting and um, um, uh, fulfilling opportunities ahead. What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? Oh, man. I mean, I want, I want to be able to live the same kind of life because I, I, I don't want to, like... Um, I, the things I've learned are hard fought, <laughs> hard won. But I would say, um, I would say, don't don't think that being rejected is because is it's not a judgment on who you are or what your talent level is. It's just because you weren't you weren't exactly the right thing that they wanted. I think a lot of people, and I, me included, um, kind of self-sabotage a little bit that way and thinking that rejection is i mean it's it's so weird like they want you but then they reject you like you you are wanted when you come into that audition like, mm -hmm. they want you to be the perfect person so um so i'd say you know don't don't think of rejection um uh in such harsh terms cool 
So final fun question. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? Oh, man. Um, I, Sweeney Todd. All right. That is the second second answer for a second person who said Sweeney Todd. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's 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 just it's so it's stunning and it's um yeah I think maybe like the hundredth time I'd start to find the major major humor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, people can connect with you on Instagram at Chad Kimball seventy six. I guess there were seventy five mm-hmm. other Chad Kimball. That's right. Yeah. It's not my birth year. No, not at all. <laughs> um, Twitter Chad Kimball one. That's right. Yeah, you're the That's, first. I, I'm first number Chad one. Kim- <laughs> yep. And then Facebook.com slash Chad Kimball fan page. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you can get more of me and the theater podcast at theater underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Facebook.com slash official theater podcast. And listen and subscribe. Always thetheaterpodcast.com. Wherever you're listening now, please rate and review. I love reading reviews. This is produced by Jillian Hockman. And music you're hearing now for the intro and outro is by Jukebox the Ghost, our wonderful friends. Chad Kimball, thank you again for this lovely conversation. Thanks, This for was having great. Me. Thank you. Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.